Okay. So, yay. Yay. <laughs> chapter. Exciting. Yeah. Yeah? This chapter. Okay. It, it, that, 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 okay, let's just start because we'll start talking about things and then mm-hmm. we'll... <clears throat> Welcome to chapter 11, episode 11 of Belgarian and Beyond. We're up to chapter 11 of Porn and Prophecy in the f- series of Belgarian books. Uh, my name's Sandra Turnbull and I'm here with Alicia Seymour. Hi, Alicia. Hi. Good uh, to be back. Yes. Yay. Mm-hmm. And so as we're excited, we're, uh, we're a bit excited about this chapter because it's starting to get a little mm-hmm. bit meaty. Yeah. Yeah, this chapter woke me up because I was starting to get, well, I won't get into details yet, but you know, I was starting to feel like, okay, when is this going to pick up? <laughs> and this chapter, I was finally like, it had me like, yes, I want to find out. And it doesn't help, of course, that we're doing one chapter a week when, mm-hmm. you know, you and I are kind of avid readers and we're used to like consuming a story and yeah. just reading it. Um, and so this this sort of stretching out of things, must make it sort of is just that the act of one chapter a week stretches out and must make it sort of feel mm-hmm. slower I mean, than it is yeah it does a little bit and um I feel too though had I read this like all the way through I may have still I mean I can't say for sure but I think I still would have felt like okay when am I going to get to like the real magic stuff here yeah yeah um and so I'm glad that even though it's like 150 pages in, we finally learn. I mean, it was just blatantly. Yep. Oh, anyway, okay. So, so, so <laughs> stop, stop. So our first segment of the show is Hogar's Cup. So yeah. you tell me what's in your cup this week. Yeah. Um, let's see. So this week's been really, really good because I was asked to um, create a course Like, I mean, he's uh, someone I worked with before. He's creating a course for writers on how to write a book, but he reached out and asked me if I could create a little segment within his course to show people how to write fiction. So I spent time doing that. It was a lot of fun. I just sent him all of the stuff today. So it's exciting. Yeah. So that was a lot of fun to work through. And um, so hang on. Did you tell me what's in your cup? Oh, so it's like a, it's really sweet. It's like sweet, but then there's this touch of bitterness to it, which I'll get to. Uh-huh. Um, but overall, it's been super sweet. Like, uh, I don't know what you would call it. Um, I guess hot chocolate or something. But I've just been really enjoying. It's been kind of quiet. The kids are still home from school. So we're keeping it pretty mellow right now. And uh, in between, I'm just going in to do what I need to do for my creativity and my business. Mm-hmm. And, um, but the reason that it's a little bit bitter is because this weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, I have to drive up to the mountains and go to Girl Scout camp with my daughter. Mm-hmm. And now it's not the fact that I, I love being able to go with her and spend time with her, just the two of us. But we've done this already now twice. 
and I don't necessarily enjoy camping. Uh, thankfully, oh, I, we're I, I remember the last time you went camping. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, probably Don't this keep going. Last, the last Girl Scout camp. <laughs> I um, <didn't> know. <laughs> so we're we at least have we have cabins, and they do have heat. So I mean, it's not like it's all bad, but is I it don't cold? Like, it's gonna be really cold. Like right now here for San Diego, this it's been like in the low 30s in the morning, and that's really really cold. 30s. Oh, if you're talking Fahrenheit, sorry, I don't, my brain doesn't yeah. translate Fahrenheit. I'll have to look it up. Yeah, I don't know Celsius, so <laughs> even. <laughs> um, but up in the mountains, uh, it's going to be probably a little bit colder than that. So I'm not looking forward to that. And Maybe it would be beautiful, though. It could be. I just don't do well with the camp, and I don't do well with being around so many children all mm. weekend. Well, you have a roof over your head. Cabins are fun. Cabins are cool. They are. I don't know. I just don't. I don't thrive in camping at all. I don't thrive. So I try to keep positive Uh (laughs) with it, but I always kind of dread it when it's approaching. Because also the food they serve isn't the best. A lot of people get upset stomachs from it. Oh, yeah, you have food um, sensitivity. That is a a problem when you have to go somewhere and someone else is managing the cooking. I do understand that with my gluten sensitivities. Yeah, so I already am preparing like all of my own stuff to bring, but it has to be stuff that I don't need to heat up. So I got to plan for cold meals for two days and while it's cold. And I won't have access to my decaf coffee i can't drink regular and they only have regular there so. brickety well 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 okay <laughs> okay now, so so maybe your potion should actually be something alcoholic that you can stick into your bag and take with you <laughs> that's true uh-huh. i really should i really should <laughs> have a bottle of wine with me and slip a me flask warm. in there you know you can stick that in the coffee and maybe that'll Fix it all up. Yeah, I should totally do that. You should do that. It'll keep me warm. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right, okay, so. That's, that's mine. But how about you? What's, what's going on with you? Well, my potion this week is in a tall glass and it's lime green and it's fresh and clear, pure lightness of being. So, yes, that's all because I started. <laughs> I started drinking celery juice. That's like a morning tonic mm. um, every day. So I've done it for mm-hmm. four days, I think, four days now. And um, first two days, well, imagine a little gif of baby Elmo on the potty, doing a little <laughs> potty dance. That was me two days in a row. But now it's cool. Mm-hmm. I'm all settled down and it tastes really good. I really like it. I didn't think I'd really like it at all. I thought it would be a case of hold my nose and like down it, but I really enjoy it. Do you put anything in it besides celery? It's just no, straight celery. Just celery. Wow. I've never had celery juice. It's delicious. I really like it. And so there's lots of good things in there for my gut. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I've, can you tell? I feel really bouncy. Yes, I and can it's tell. Night, it's night time and I still feel bouncy. So it kind of sets me up for the day. I really, I'm really enjoying it. So That's good. That's my potion. Yeah, celery is, is really beneficial. I put it in my smoothies when I have my smoothies in the morning. 
And it, I don't know, when you blend the whole thing though, I've never made celery juice. When you blend the whole celery into your smoothie, it takes time to adjust to that taste. But well, <laughs> once yeah. your body adjusts, yeah. the taste becomes like, oh my God, that's so good. Because your well, body knows it's nourishing. I must just be in the right place for this to, for my taste buds to like just be going, oh, that's the thing that I need. That's so, that's so good. Um, but it's not, I'm not like blending it. I'm, I've got a proper juicer. So it takes all the pulp out and just zips the juice through. Um, and yeah, yeah. So there you go. That's my thing. Enjoying it. It's good for me. I feel amazing. I may have to edit the crap out of this episode because I'm very bouncy and I'm talking a lot. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I could, I could tell you were bouncy earlier when we began the episode. <laughs> let you go with it. <laughs> just, just sit back and let it go. I saw that look on your face. I knew that it's what you were doing, but I appreciate it. Yeah. No, it's fun. It's fun. So, <laughs> okay. Next segment. You know what? I just have to say, Alicia, we mm -hmm. are pretty hot shit at following the timing for our show. It's turned into a natural thing. I'm really proud of us. Yeah, it's been really good. Really good. Mm -hmm. I think it's a pretty steady or right around that same mark every time. So. I think so. Check yeah. us out being a professional. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> Your turn. Garyan's view. Okay, this chapter, I'm going to do my best to overview it without getting into okay. it. So you don't need to get into it. So this is just yeah. your two minutes of this is what the chapter is. Start to yes. finish. Right. So um, in this chapter, they're on, on the road a bit again, journeying with the captain who, uh, you know, took them prisoner in Garion's point of view. And... So they're on the road a little bit. We see Gary and still have some conversations and um, it starts on the road and then it continues on to once they arrive at this destination. Gary seems pretty obsessed with being locked in a dungeon. So I'm not sure if that's like symbolic of anything or not, but it was interesting that he kept bringing it up. And then, so they arrive or no, they're still on the road. And so the other big thing was Silk gave like this big education on how kings are elected um and so that was interesting as well then they arrive at sendar they're taken to the king um garyan's first time in the palace so he's kind of amazed by everything and then they actually have to be taken to be prepared first before they can see the king to look appropriate and we get to find out who barak and silk really are and then, of course, at the end of the chapters, where the big news with uh, Gary and Eve's dropping, and um, when he's not supposed to be listening to a conversation between the king, the wolf, and Aunt Paul. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Keep listening, dear listeners, and you'll find out what Alicia found out today. Mm -hmm. It was a big one. Okay, so. <laughs> I just, I've just read the chapter, um, like this afternoon and it's quite a long chapter 
Um, oh, it was like 20 pages. Yeah, but it was one of those, it's one of those chapters where I, it was, a, it was, it, there's a lot in there, but it feels like I don't have a lot to talk about. But every time I think that we always have stuff to talk about anyway, so I don't know why I'm worried. <clears throat> no, I think there's plenty to talk about. I mean, okay. we can start with the, so they're was, on the road at yeah, some so, kind of more hostels. Yeah, yeah. So we start to start. So when they start out, they're in the custody of Colonel Brendig and the soldiers, the Sendarian soldiers, and they're being taken to King uh, Fulrak of Sendaria. So they're being taken to the palace at Sendar, <clears throat> and it's snowing and stuff still. And um, they they have to. Um, stop a couple of nights and it's snowing so hard they have to stop at the same place they have to stay at the same place for a few nights and that's when Garion oh yeah yeah Garion sort of start does the the he starts questioning people about what they might know about dungeons and how mm -hmm. kings might behave to people who had displeased them or people who were with the person who might have displeased them and what that might have to do with ending up in a dungeon. And he, he starts with Jernick. Um, did you have anything to comment on about that interaction between Dernick and um, Garion? Or just Garion in general in, in this sort of... Yeah, I mean, he kind of, I guess he's, he's talking to Dernick first. I don't remember specifically that conversation, but I know that he also, I think he asks Beric too about it, does he? Um, no, he, talks, just he, talks to, he talks to Dernick, and Dernick's <laughs> sort of um, very properly Sundarian as Dernick is, and like, well, we haven't done anything wrong. We have nothing to worry about. If we've done nothing wrong there's nothing to worry about. And so basically it's almost like a Garion doesn't get to um, in, like get to be indulged. He's, he, he doesn't get to go to the place in the conversation that he wants to go with Dernick. So Dernick's sort of like the stone, he just stonewalls in, the conversation is over. He doesn't, you know, there's nothing to, you know, there's nothing to talk about because we haven't done anything wrong. And if you haven't done anything wrong, it's all good. But, um, yeah, and then right. he talks to Silk. Yeah. It's... That's a good, that's an interesting conversation. I like the way that Silk reacts to his questioning. Yeah, because this is how he prompts the conversation with Silk to get into the whole thing of how King's elected, because he asks him, like, um, oh, what kind of man is the king? You know, the king that they're going to go visit. Mm, mm, so yeah, that... that's right. Um, he um, well, first Silk says tells 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 Garion that the question is unworthy of him when he asks if if the king was after someone that had dis had angered him, would the king also punish the people who were with that person, or would they let would he let those people go and just keep the person who had angered him, and. I just love that in my head, the expression on Silk's face is like the raised eyebrows and the crooked head, like, seriously? Are you seriously asking you that question? This is like the expression that I see in my imagination. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Tells, tells Garion that that question is unworthy of you. And, and so I like that 
he's not indulged, but he's also asked to step up as a, as a young man rather than being a child, which is ultimately what he wants. And so I think that that's a nice, that's, um, I really like that interaction, that little um, call to, call to step up, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. I, I think that, I mean, I caught that too and I pictured the same kind of face. Did on you? Self. Yeah. <laughs> and, the, and then, but his response to, to Gary on, he's, you immediately get the feeling that Silk isn't very impressed with Kings at all. And he finds them very simple minded and just quite boring people that like, yeah, they're good people, but they don't do anything mm-hmm. very fantastic in their lifetime. <laughs> well, Silk's so, um, and we find out more about uh, his his world of espionage, you mm-hmm. know, as the story progresses a little bit, little bit, little bit. But he's 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 very into the political game, and it's very much a game the 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 commerce and the politics of the kings and peoples. It's it's all a game for him, and it's yeah. about collecting information and. Um, I don't think he even cares about the money that he is able to make very much. It's just a way of scoring the game. <laughs> yeah, I really, I'm really starting to like Silk a lot. I think he's going to be one of my favourites mm. by the end of the whole series. <laughs> and, um, yeah. So absolutely. why don't you, like, because this is when he gets into this whole, because Gary asks him, how do you elect a king? Tell me about it. Tell me how it's done. Yeah, so, the, so point, the point there is that... Um, he wants to know what the Sindarian king is like. He asks Silk about the Sindarian king. Um, and, and Silk's response is, well, like all kings, he's rather foolish. And that sort of leads Gary and then to wonder about, well, you know, don't you have to be wise to be a king? And Silk's like, well, no, exactly as you said. He's got no kind of, you know, they're just not very wise people. But the kings of Sendaria are at a disadvantage because they started so low. And this is because this kingdom of Sendaria was created. It didn't exist. Like the other, the other kingdoms existed. And Sendaria was a, a piece of land. And I won't go into it too much because it gets a bit complicated. But it was a piece of land between um, two other kingdoms who had big commercial interests or, you know, quite, they're quite powerful and they didn't want one or the other to own this other, this large piece of land that's, that, you know, sat between them. And so a kingdom was created as like a buffer between them and that was Sandaria. And so because they had no nobility, they had to, you know, somehow get a king and, they, they elected a king. Did you want to talk about how this appeared to you, this whole conversation, or did you just... Well, it was a lot of information for me to take in the first time, just reading it once through. So I know I'm not going to remember a lot of the details, but I do remember him mentioning that they started so low. Does that mean, like, the first king they had was, like, really low on the scale of, uh, of what 
makes a good person or what is no i think that it started so low in that the kingdom had no natural or or hereditary nobility everyone were common folk they were farmers and producers and so there weren't any not any any lords or ladies or you know earls or dukes or whatever They, they needed to create the nobility from from the peasants who who lived yeah. there and then um there's a mention that the tolnidran emperor mm-hmm. decided that there ought to be a kingdom mm. and then garyan seems because silk's telling about this and garyan seems like kind of disturbed by that idea like who is he to make that decision for people <laughs> yeah so this is sort of where we're starting to be introduced to like the tonudrans have been mentioned before um and we're starting to understand that um they like money a lot and they like power and well, they're they have, in the last chapter right yeah the they last, have the, the hostels yeah so they have they 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 have the have the great roads between the cities and they're a great commerce a great empire for commerce <clears throat> and the tolnidran legionnaires are the like the official guard, the official soldiers of Tornidra, and they keep the roads safe and um, run the hostels and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yeah, so then what moves into the next part of this, because he explains in great detail, like, how they elected the kings. Um, and, you know, I don't know if there's anything else you really wanted to touch on about well, I that. Think specifically. That it, I like the fact that it shows um, Silk in... He's just, an, he, he sort of hovers between being a complete asshole and um, like just teasing for the sake of teasing. I mean, he's spinning this tale, one, to educate Garion, but two, to annoy the hell out of Colonel Brendig, who's sitting in earshot. And so mm-hmm. um, Silk is like um, exaggerating lots of points in the story and, you know, making it out to be, you know, just telling whoppers of about the how many years it took and how many votes and, you know, just making it all sound a little bit tongue-in-cheek and like a silly story because he just wants to annoy Colonel Brendick. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's the, that's the next part I was going to get into because I really enjoyed that too. I thought it was funny. Oh, sorry, honey. You talk about that then. It's okay. No, it's fine. We were talking about it, but I just... I am agreeing because I think it was, I picked up on him too because he's saying like it took him a thousand years to vote and then, <laughs> then Brendig's actually like six years actually, you know, so <laughs> just those little comments are really, really funny and yeah. I think this is, for me, this is the first time I'm really, really being able to see like Silk's personality okay, come yeah. through. Like, I, I guess there's been little hints of it, but for me, it hasn't really stood out that much. I couldn't really see him as a character at all right now. Well, that's and, such an interesting comment because, and that's really cool, because I know the characters so well. I know them from the start of the story, so I can sort of have their personality already fixed when they appear at the start, whereas you're just getting to know them. So that's mm-hmm. a very cool comment mm-hmm. from you. Yeah. Yeah, it's, a, it's such a difference because I know like with myself revisiting stories I read 10 times over, it's the same. You know, you mm. 
you already know who they are from the beginning, even though you're not supposed to. So it's a much different experience. And Totally. It's totally worth it. If it's a story you love or characters you love, totally go back and read it again because you get a different mm-hmm. perspective and a different story even. Yeah. Different story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it's just like watching. Okay. Really quick uh, interruption here. <laughs> This just reminded me. Is it Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings? It's actually neither this time. But I've been meaning to bring this up on the show (laughs) and I keep forgetting. It's actually about a Netflix show called The Haunting of Hill House. I wasn't allowed to watch that because I get nightmares when I watch stuff like that. I was banned. I wasn't even allowed to look at the television while it was on and my girlfriend was watching (laughs) with headphones. I had to to look away. So I'm the same way. And... (laughs) I don't know what it was about this. It super intrigued me. And I finally gave in one day, but I made sure it was the middle of the day. All the windows are open. (laughs) And I got like so addicted to this show because yeah, there's a few moments that are kind of like, Oh God, that that probably is going to haunt me in my sleep tonight. But for the most part, it was really about the characters in the family and this deeper rooted understanding of, um, what darkness can do to you, not just about hauntings, but within yourself. Like, Well, that's the part that t- scares me and really gives me nightmares. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it helps you to, I mean, for me, it helped me like understand. It was just really beautifully done. Yeah. And so, but it's one of those, I brought it up, is because it's one of those stories that as you're watching it, you get to the end and at the end, it's just like, oh my gosh. And so it's one you want to watch over again so that you can see all the clues you missed the first time. And that's kind of like with books too, is it? And so I'm watching that show the second time through and it's even more because I know now that there's not a lot of the in your face, scary, gruesome, haunting stuff. It's more of the story of a family and the stuff that they went through. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I can enjoy it, not being afraid of like what's going to jump out at me. So it's the same. Yeah. And it's the same. Now I can enjoy the characters even more because I already know them. Yeah. Just and like, I love that you love diving into the dark parts of the story. Like we mm-hmm. both, we do it in different ways, you and I, but both yeah. of us really appreciate the, the way that darkness, um, understanding the darkness in ourselves and using the darkness in story and to understand ourselves and, you know, to really lean into the things that it triggers inside us and in our own creative works, you know, to do self-inquiry and to just sort of uncover layers of ourselves. I love that. We both love that. Mm-hmm. And it's not, yeah. you know, we don't run away from it. Yeah. You know, I think there's moments that you get to a moment where you realize you have to face it in order mm-hmm. to kind of remove it. There's such beautiful balance in working with the dark and the light. Yeah. Oh, where are we up to? We're in a chapter. So, let's see. Okay, so Silk's just finished teasing Brindig. Yeah, yeah. Let's see. Barracks here. Nope. So, talking about the king and king, blah, blah, blah. History lesson for Garion. They finally arrive, it looks like, is this is when they finally arrive at Sendar because they're talking about 
like yeah. we see with the guards at the gates. And... Yeah, yeah. So that's pretty much. So that's pretty much the chapter. They they stay at the, the hostel. It's like it's a, and it could even be that you know we need to know this information about the kingdom of Sindari and how it was formed and what the king's like, and so. You know, it's a bit of a vehicle, I think, for information for the reader. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's done very well. It's not too heavy. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I because I like how they tied in the humor to it. Yeah. To you know, you're learning it through Silk's version of it, yeah, so it yeah. makes it enjoyable. Yeah. But, uh, but from there, the next big thing is that they're at the palace. They arrive at the mm-hmm. palace. Right. Yeah, this is where I really started because immediately it's like, what? Wait, there's a big reveal. Like immediately after they are uh, like done up for the king. Yes, yeah, so, yeah, so they get there and and it's not. And so I think Garion starts to wonder what's going on, and he's still seeing visions of dungeons, but it's kind of like mm, mm-hmm. maybe not, maybe not. I don't really get it. I don't know. I don't understand. Yeah, and he even he even like questions Dernick again, and Dernick's kind of like, "I'd really appreciate it if you would not bring up dungeons again, please." <laughs> That's true, he does. <laughs> I thought that was so funny because like, he's. I think he's starting to feel the nervousness of like, "Oh man, what's going to happen to us when we go yeah. in?" Oh, that's right, because they see Gary sees the castle and it's like this big tower, mm-hmm. and it wonders to Dernick where the dungeons are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yep. And so the next thing that I really like is um well they're all taken away to be bathed and changed and made presentable for the king. And I'll do you have any comments to make about how this goes? Because I have a favorite bit, but <laughs> I have the same favorite bit, so I'll let you say it first. Well, I mean I don't have anything specifically. I just see um, you know, they each go off to their own room. And, and Garion's kind of still confused about why and, and what, and he has to be directed, like, take your clothes off. What are you doing? Get undressed. We need to bathe you. <laughs> you know, and then they all reunite in, in the hallway or, or wherever, the corridor yeah. or whatever. And when Donut comes out, he's, like, so angry. <laughs> oh. He's, like, all pale with anger. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, because you can imagine, like, he's just quite a – I imagine him to be quite proper and prudish and, like, you know – and he comes out and fellow wants to bathe me. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I do remember that. And he threatened him as if he tried to do it or something. He would Drown him in his own tub. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, hashtag. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah, so that was really funny because he, he didn't want anyone to touch him. And, and Gary is still kind of baffled by, like, like, I don't understand why would he be offended if he saw us in our real clothes, you know? Yeah, because, and, and, um, and Barak actually says, um, you know, because kings might, are offended by our common clothes, we need to, you know, be made respectable so that we don't offend the king's, um, the king's eyes, something along those lines. <clears throat> and so, you know, they're all standing in the hallway and um, so there's this Garion, and Silk and Barak, who um, are all looking very neat and trimmed and, you know, be- Silk's beard's trimmed into um, a nice shape and they're looking very elegant. And then Dernick joins them. And then 
Mr. Wolf joins them. Yeah, I liked his entrance too. It was it was great because obviously I'm picturing Gandalf, of course. Yes, like of course White you are. Robe. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and he's obviously livid about being put in those clothes. So we still don't. Well, I still didn't know why. I, yeah. I so Gandalf that. the White, not Gandalf the Grey. Right. The picture. So you've got a picture, Mr. Wolf, coming out of the room in a white robe with a big deep cowls down the back <laughs> looking like Gandalf the White when he's in the forest and he hasn't remembered his name yet yeah yeah and he's like got a glow around him yes can't you see the glow <laughs> yeah that's what I imagined and then yeah, of course that Paul comes out again no, no, well, he's absolutely furious absolutely furious Mr. Wolf mm -hmm. yeah about being yeah. having to be dressed up like this yep yeah, anyway mm -hmm. go on your turn <laughs> well, well, him and Aunt Paul both are both, you know, all, she's done up like she was before at the last place. And mm. so she basically kind of takes the lead and like guides them to, you know, where they're mm. headed to meet the king. And they uh, march off. I, lo I love the image of them. You know, she comes out and joins them and takes Mr. Wolf's arm and they march off up the corridor without waiting for anyone to show them the way and the sold Colonel Brendig and the soldiers are kind of like raggle taggling behind them going oh hang on we'll show you the way and they're like yeah well we don't need you to show us the way dude get yeah. out of my way and they sweep off and then 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 they're asking them can we at least announce who you are and then most <laughs> like he knows who I am guys you don't need to <laughs> so yeah so that's mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. snap in they go up to the throne where King Fulrak is waiting for them. Yeah, yeah, this was a good scene because this is where we soon, um, well, I don't think quite actually, yeah, this is where we learn about silk. <laughs> it just kind of, it's just thrown out there. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, we learn about all of them. Well, Aunt Paul is, you know, addressing the king and being the cold hearted person that she likes to be just to put on the tough skin and you know he's the king is kind of like doting on her and and mr wolf and all of that and and she's and just kind of like impressed totally unimpressed. yeah you're you're too kind but she says it and with like no emotion behind it and so they obviously have long history they know each other very very well the king knows exactly who they are whoever that is and they have you know and this is so the king is, is like being quite apologetic in his behaviour to them, saying, you know, trying to, trying to pacify them and, and soften them. And when that doesn't work is when he veers the direction off to Barak and Sulk, and that's how we learn, because he addresses Barak as Lord Barak. Yes, yes. How, and how is your, the brother of the king of Cherik doing? Yeah, so, so you're kind of like, wait. What? So Barak is the cousin of the King of Cherik. Mm hmm Okay. And then and right after that, Silk. he addresses Silk as Prince Keldar. Yes, of the Kingdom of Drasnia. So he is the nephew of the King of Drasnia. He's the prince. Right. So that was a big revelation for me. And the way it's just right there with, like, no warning that it's coming. Like, oh, he's a prince. Um, Come Okay. <laughs> okay, I got that. <laughs> and, and, so, and so Wolf is sort of speaking in a, in a terse voice when he gets there to the king. 
So that only the king can hear, but basically saying, what the hell are you doing, dude? We were busy doing something really important. Right. Well, don't they go off into like a private area and, and close the door? Well, they do. Um, they go into dinner first. So it's like a, a public mm-hmm. dinner for the, for the court. There's a court dinner. And then after that, the king stands up and says, excuse me, dear guests. You know, I'm going to take my noble visitors, um, you know, off. And he and um, Aunt Paul and Miss Wolf go off into a side mm-hmm. chamber um, sorry, no, no. They all go. They all go, first of all, to the private, the king's private chambers, and then where that's like their little group. And then from there, the king takes Aunt Paul and Mr. Wolf to a separate room. And yeah. Um, uh, yeah. But then we, we do spend some time before all of that at the dinner. Yes, we're all eating dinner, and, and then we get introduced to somebody. Scene. So you talk about that because I love that scene. That's so much fun. Well, the, the main thing I remembered from the scene is um, that Garyan starts talking to Silk in the secret language uh, because, yeah, because I don't remember. He's nervous because it's like a big state dinner, and he's nervous about making a fool of himself. And he sort of says, yeah. to Silk, "Don't let me, you know, don't let me mess up." Right. Right. But then I think he's he starts doing it because he's suspicious of that other man that's that's talking to him and asking him questions. And so well, he's I don't think like, he's a bit suspicious so much as what the hell do I say? <laughs> like I'm a kid and this old dude's asking me questions. I have no idea what to say. And so he's right. sort of flicking his fingers to silk across the table to say, Tell me what to say, tell me what to say. Yeah, yeah. So that's the part that stood out for me. I don't know if I'm missing anything else from that. And when we meet the queen too. Oh, well, in that little conversation, I will, I will uh, talk about it just a little bit because this is like a repeat character. He shows up again later in the stories, this Earl of Selene. Okay. So he's an old dude and he's, uh, um, for all intents and purposes, talking to Gary and Silk is feeding Gary and the answers in the secret language across the table. And at the end of the dinner, they all stand up and the Earl of Selene says to Gary, oh, thanks very much for the, for the excellent conversation. It's so good to you know, get the opinion of the young people of the kingdom. And then he turns and looks at Silk and um, you know, basically says, yes, well, I may be an old fool, but you know, I still have a few tricks up my sleeve or something like that. And, and Silk laughs and goes, oh, 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 you know, you've got the best of me. And then um, Gary is like, you knew all along that he could understand. And Silk's like, yeah, of course I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and so Gary gets a bit miffed about that. But um, yeah, that part where, where um, he admits he knew what they were saying to each other the whole time. Yeah. And so he's yeah. feeling a little bit tender, Gary, and because um, like back in the hostel, he's sort of really starting to think of, more and more about who am I asking himself, you know, if my, if, you know, Silk was so sure that Aunt Paul can't possibly be my aunt, it's absolutely impossible. And so he's still having these identity, this identity crisis, you know, and starting to ask more and more often, who am I? And so he's feeling a bit tender, um, you know, as we do when we're 14 and 15, everything is like a big deal. And, you know, we get hurt really easily and we feel like we're the butt of every joke if we're not included specifically. And so, you know, we get to the end of this dinner and he feels like, 
he's been the butt of a big joke that Silk's been playing with the Earl of Selene. Because- well, I like what the way he uh, confronts Silk too, because he's kind of like, can't you do anything without having to be sly about it? You know, that, that is true. That's I did. I did. Um, now that you say that, it did strike me this time that I think that I have skipped over that a lot and not really taken that particular part in. Yeah. Garen does seem to be quite sharp when it comes to calling Silk out, doesn't he? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, he's obviously, um, his feelings are hurt because <laughs> of what happened and he's yeah. now grumpy. But and it's his way, I think, of almost kind of jabbing back at Silk for like, you know, you got me. So you're, you're not going to get away and scathe. Like, hey. I'm going to try to jab at you. It's not going to work, of course, but he's going to try. Nice observation. Like, so he sort of got, got that little bit of a boost of courage from that little bit of Yeah, I can, I can see him saying this. Is like, why do you have to be so sly about everything? Come on. Yeah. And he's almost like really irritated at this point. Yeah, yeah. Silk and, by this. And I can see that he would, I can imagine him being irritated as he says that. And then the next thing he observes is that must be a really lonely way to live. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and that he doesn't um, trust anybody. Yeah, you know, to not trust anybody. And there's mention again of that dry voice in Garion's mind that prompts him to make this observation, almost like the voice has given him, you know, said to him, oh, you know, this is interesting. I do like this this dialogue that he has with this dry voice in his mind, this, this older, wiser voice that tends to be a killjoy sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It is interesting the moments that a hit that voice comes in mm-hmm. to kind of prompt him of like making him say something he wouldn't otherwise say. So in the in the in the in the in the conversations that Wolf's having with the the king before they get taken away, he's sort of complaining about you know are you trying to draw attention to you know us to every Murgo in the in the country. So there's mention of the Murgos and the king's like, well, everyone's looking for you anyway. All the kings are look, uh, and queens are looking for you. You wouldn't have gotten much further. Yeah. So, um, so they go off to the private room and sort of the, the, the king's talking about, you know, mobilising for war. And is this part of the conversation that Garion overhears? That's what I was looking for because... <clears throat> um... It's, uh, let's see. Oh, okay. It's in the hey. private room that he says the stuff about the Silk and Barrack being, being royal. That's in front of everybody. Like, he just kind of says it like everybody already knows this. Yeah. And then... It's scary and it's news. <gasps> and, and the other big thing, when the king's being introduced to everyone, like, he knows... Keldar, which is Silk's proper name, and Barak, and then Aunt Pol steps forward to introduce Dernick and Garion. Right, I remember that. Okay, you talk about that. <laughs> um, yeah, she she kind of just says that he's just some boy. I had nothing else. I had no, no, we couldn't do anything else with them, so he had to come. I know. Can you imagine how crushed Garion is? His guts just dropped through his feet. Yeah. Yeah, and we see his reaction too, where he's kind of like, what? And that's all I am to you? And he think, I think he takes it almost literally, not realizing that well, she's he, just 
trying to put up a front for the king to to protect Gary. Of course he does, because he already believes that she's not, can't possibly be his aunt. Mm -hmm. And Yeah, so it's just an extra blow. And she doesn't even try to be nice about it. She's just like, whatever, he's just some kid. Yeah, that's, that's just her way, I guess. I mean, that's what I'm seeing here is that's her way. So holy and, crap. and it's not the last yeah. blow she gives him either, which we'll get to. Poor guy. Uh, unknowingly, of course, she does because he shouldn't have been listening. <laughs> okay, let's get to the <clears throat> conversation that Garion, it turns out, is a bit of an eavesdropper. Yeah, I like see that a lot already. We've seen this quite a bit. The sneaky little bugger <laughs> likes to eavesdrop. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so he like moves his way over towards the door to pretend he's examining a tapestry, but he's concealing the fact he's actually trying to listen. Uh-huh. And the door's Boy, closed this time. There's not even a jar. <laughs> no. So he's really got to listen hard. So they must be speaking very loudly because he can hear everything. <laughs> Maybe he he's just very word. good at eavesdropping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so we hear within these doors immediately the first thing we catch is that how do you say the king's name for lack full rack full rack um addresses old wolf as the ancient one which is the uh-huh. second time we've heard this that's the horse master back when they were getting the algarian horses referred mm-hmm. to him as the ancient one didn't they yeah they did they did so this is the second time i was like okay i'm about to find something out right here okay <laughs> one. yeah so um this is where wolf really kind of lets him have it of like we so were... did you start getting excited yeah i did <laughs> like, <laughs> i this is something gary shouldn't be hearing and now we get to hear it all yeah, yeah, so yeah. something good is coming and the uh, king is like really apologetic um you know but then he's also kind of like but you know i was told the kings of Aloria, they've all been searching for you and they wanted me to bring you. I can't just, you know, dismiss that. So Aloria, just a little incidental lesson, Aloria is the kingdom like Cherik and Dresnia and um, Tolnidra, basically all of the, all of those kingdoms. That, that's Aloria. Okay. And that is... Sendaria is composed of other. Sendaria is part of Aloria. Oh, okay. Okay. So um, then he starts bringing up, the king starts bringing up the accursed one arises. Mm-hmm. If he comes back now, we're all doomed. You know, so my mind immediately went to Torak just because I think it's been obvious. Because you're a clever girl. <laughs> yes. Um, and then this is the big reveal because right after that statement, the king, you know, he's telling him about this. And then he's like, but you already know all of that, Belgarath. Ah! And I'm like, wait a second. Who's Belgarath? And I had to go back and read that again. <laughs> he's calling old wolf Belgarath. <laughs> so that was the big. And then this is when I was like, okay, let me finish. So hang on, hang on. You had to go back and work out who Belgarath was. Well, that's what I'm explaining is that oh. there, there was only like two pages left in this. So I quickly finished those two pages <laughs> and then I had to go back and read the prologue again. Cause uh-huh. I'm like, I think it was in the prologue. It tells me who Belgarath was. And then that's when I had this epiphany every reading the prologue. Cause I'm like, it all makes complete sense to read the prologue <laughs> now. <laughs> yep. 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 
I then did, I figured out. Oh my God, I think I did exactly the same thing, exactly what you did at this mm-hmm. point, the first time I read the story. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, because it was. I'm like, I know I've heard the, the name Balgrath, but I couldn't for the life of me remember the history. So I'm like, I know the prologue had some history. Let me go see if it's in there. And of course, it's filled with Belgrath in there. <laughs> so we learned that, you know, Old Wolf is actually this sorcerer that's lived for 7,000 years or however many, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and so now that we know he is a sorcerer, it's kind of like, okay, well, what does this mean? So Garyon, you know, kind of trips himself up at this point because he's like, <laughs> it falls over. It cool. <laughs> you imagine sort of headbutting the wall or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then he's like, oh, wait, I'm just dusting my pants off. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was, that was a funny little point in there. But they just continue this conversation, right? Mm-hmm. That, that Mr. Wolf is upset because he's like, you just explained to them that I'm pursued of, in pursuit of the thief trying to stop all this from happening. Like, and you guys are slowing us up. Mm-hmm. So like, tell them to back off. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and then Aunt Pole chimes in to kind of back up Mr. Wolf. You know, he's like, you're interfering. That's costing us time we can't afford. Mm-hmm. And, and then, then Mr. Wolf says, okay, all right, that's fine. I won't raise my hand against you Mm -hmm. i'll let you finish oh no i was just following along because i'm making sure i'm not i won't raise my hand nor will my daughter right right is that when where is that part where he says and then then aunt paul speak for yourself old wolf aunt paul said grimly no paul gara he says Mm -hmm. if we have to go to valalorn let's go right and then she and she even took her firm even further because she's like, I think your age is beginning to soften your brain, father. So then you're, a, of course, like, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, Garrett. <laughs> it's Mr. Wolf's daughter, but really Mr. Wolf is Belgarath. So really, um, Paul. Paul is Polgara. The sorcerer. Yeah. And again, when I was reading through the prologue, realizing that Belgarath had twins. So now there's, Polgara's sister somewhere coming up later, I'm assuming. Belderan. Which will be interesting. Well, we learn in the prologue she was sent to actually marry the king. The Riven King. Yeah, at the time. So supposedly Aunt Paul thinks that she lived a human life and had to perish. Mm-hmm. But we'll see. So that was interesting. Yes, so, um, so that is the big end of chat reveal. So Gary and hears all of this. Yeah. And- course his worst fears are confirmed she can't yeah. possibly be his aunt I felt so sad for him here because the comment of like that he's adrift in a world with no ties of blood or heritage to cling to like I, I could just feel like the way he just the author described that I could feel like the pain of what that would feel like and it was like, oh, oh my god I'm feeling a bit emotional that hasn't happened since the first time I read this oh yeah, it, it was kind of sad because it's like, yeah. that would be a really scary feeling as being that age. Yeah. And you're not even at home when you find this out. You're out in this crazy adventure that's dangerous. And, and all he wants to do now is just go back to Feldel's farm and be mm-hmm. out of all of this craziness and mm-hmm. not have to think about any of these things that are scaring him and 
making him feel so alone. And even the fact that now he thinks that Aunt Paul has made a cruel hoax out of his life. That hit home. It's like, especially after what she just said to him in that that room with the king. Just some boy. Just some boy. So we end the chapter now um, with these two big um, story-shaking truths. And they're they're all headed to Valalorn, which is the capital of um, the kingdom of Cherik, which is where Barak is from, where all the kings and queens of Valoria are meeting in general council um, and they're waiting for Belgareth and Polgara to meet with them to advise them what to do about what they see as an impending war with the Angarak kingdoms, of whom Torak is God and now we hear the name Accursed One, which kind of rings all kinds of terrible clanging bells. Yeah. Does that make sense? Am I? Mm-hmm. Yeah? Yeah. Any questions? Because yeah, this has no. actually been a very long chapter. We've been talking <laughs> for a long time. I know. But it was filled with so much. I mean, we learned who everybody was in one fell swoop. Yep. We now know Beric and Silk are more than they seemed. And we actually know who Mr. Wolf and Aunt Paul are now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so I mean to me that was this big I'm like yes now we can finally get into some of these secrets yes. of what this magic and the, the orb and all of that yeah because now Garen's gonna know who they really are yeah so and he was like oh well, and so he, he finds out all this stuff when they're in the throne room and then mm-hmm. he sort of introduces just the boy and the king goes oh hello you know hi Garion. and Garion's like well the king says something like, oh, noble company for one so young. And Gary's like, yeah, well, I didn't know who the hell anyone was. <laughs> Nobody told me anything. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, but, and we did, and we also found out, just as a little aside, we also found out that Barak is married, but that's a sensitive subject. Mm-hmm. And he got very grumpy when it was mentioned. So there we go. <laughs> something there. All right. Oh, my goodness. Okay. I know. Exhale. So on to the magic of this chapter. So for me, it was just simply the revelation that Aunt Paul and Mr. Wolf are Paul Gara and Belgareth. I think that's pretty freaking magical. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Mine was... um, I don't know. I mean, it's not real magic, but I think it's, I just really, really connected with Silk in this chapter. I love that he's being a smart ass, especially um, the moment when he is kind of teasing Brendig a lot about, mm-hmm. you know, electing the king and stuff. And the comment that got me the most, like I was cracking up with, was when he's talking about that they elect, finally elected King Fundar, who was a rutabaga farmer. I think he was the first king ever to be elected. Um, and then Brendan ex- insists that he is more than just, he did more than raise rutabagas, Silk. And then Silk's like, oh, I'm sorry. He raised cabbages too. Like, <laughs> not forget the cabbages, okay? <laughs> he's telling Gary in there, like, the cabbages are really important, Gary, and don't forget them. <laughs> well, I think there is sort of a, a magic about Silk. It's, it's like a glamour, um, you know, his ability to be whoever the character in his mind um, that he wants to be, you know, he's just sort of, his whole personality um, transforms 
I think that's a, that's a, there is a magic about that. Yeah, it is because not, and not everybody can be so uh, witty on their feet that way. Mm. I know I can't. Well, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> not very often. Not like okay. So. so real, little bit of a real light relate, real light, real light. Oh my God. <laughs> I think my bounce is finally bounced. Yeah. Um, real life relating a bit of a personal insight. I had to think about this one. Um, yeah, me too. But I realised that there have been more than a couple of occasions when I've been completely aware that someone has been listening to a conversation that I'm having, and I have pretended as though I didn't realise that they were that they were listening. I've done that like several times, like and schooled my countenance to like, I don't know. It was like I was, I, it, it changed from being a conversation I was having with a person to a performance I was part of for the benefit of someone who I was pretending couldn't hear me, but mm -hmm. I, I was very well aware that they could hear me. <laughs> it's, it's a weird place in my head. <laughs> that's, that's really yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's funny because of the one that I chose. <laughs> yeah, we have. Yeah, oh, maybe, yeah I guess. Maybe. Have yeah. Kind of like, maybe you were the one. Um, maybe in another life, I was that person you maybe. were. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> because I chose that I have been that person. And I don't do this often <laughs> by any means. But yeah. I have been in a situation where it is like, it's so intriguing that you kind of just have to know what is going on like yeah, I have yeah. to know so you pretend to be engaged with something else nearby so that you can either if it's listening to what they're saying or like um, observing what's happening mm -hmm. you know I've, I've been there so I related to Gary and with that you know the stumble <laughs> and like pretending like it was something else oh we totally compliment each other there <laughs> <laughs> that's funny oh my goodness <clears throat> okay that's cool yeah okay so on to prophecy speaks and look right here in my spreadsheet prophecy with an s far out okay, don't you see The segment is Prophecy Speaks. And what we do inside the segment is prophesy. Ha-ha. <laughs> the correct use of the word. I'm going to use the same book that I used last week. Okay. That was Spitting Out the Bones. Yeah, Spitting Out the Bones, a Zen master's 45-year journey. Cause, just cause, a bit of Zen is never a bad thing. My favourite Zen book, which I have to get a copy of, is the... Uh, Dao of Pooh, as in Pooh Bear. It's a great book. And as soon as I have a copy, we're going to be doing prophecy out of that. Mm -hmm. Okay, so what do I need this week? What do I need? Focus. I need focus. I want to get back into um, writing. And I think I'd just like a little bit of direction about my magical realism series please because 
I'd intended to start writing the second book, but I have withdrawn the first book, first edition of the first book from all sales platforms. You can't buy it anymore because I want to do some more work on it. I want to do another draft on it and another and send it off to a new editor and develop the story, just deepen the story. And so I'm wondering, do I start the second book, the draft of it, or do I focus on, you know, doing the changes to book one, which may affect book two. So in the end, it might save me time and it might help inform where the story's going in book two. Mm -hmm. I may have just done my own prophecy, but I'm going to see see what uh, spitting out the bones has for me. Oh, okay. Uh, What we work on is our life, not some ideal. And a good part of that work is spitting out the bones, which takes tremendous faith and trust, trust in oneself as the Buddha Dharma. If we are still judging ourselves, is this Buddhism or not Buddhism? Am I living up to this ideal or not? It's because of a lack of deep realisation and a lack of true faith, not in something, but in no-thingness. Buddha nature. This realisation is what brings out the faith and trust that is already inherent in oneself. If you truly realise that and are living it, everything else is bones. Okay. So, so, I need to take everything in. Mm-hmm. I'm staying quiet on this one because I'm letting you process. Thank you. Thank you. So, <laughs> I need to take everything in and then spit out the bones. That sounds a hell of a lot like I'm going to be working on book one. That's what I got from it. <laughs> I just wanted to hear you say it first. <laughs> okay. There we go. <laughs> that was good. Your turn. Well, I tell you, this stuff works. Every week I say the same thing, don't I? It works. Yeah, every week. It's, you know, it's true though. And mm. it's funny because I'm also kind of, mine is based on like a decision too that I've I've been back and forth on like I would say for a year at least and I've literally gone back and forth and physically made changes on my outside world to adapt and that is um the and, the and I'm facing it yet again which is why I've come to this place of why and it's because I cannot for the life of me figure out the people I'm most meant to help with what I do um I've been pulled between those who are like me on the business journey and who want to share their story in a unique way and write a book of their journey through fiction. That's where I um, was at. And then I shifted to, no, I need to work with people who are aspiring to write fiction purely for the joy of writing fiction um, and be that light for those who don't have guidance to write more from an inward perspective. But now as I've been more active and kind of seeking out those people I'm now all of a sudden it hit me to return to the other 
the other approach. And so I'm just kind of like, and this, this happened to me several times. So I'm kind of like, okay, which one is it? And I need to stick with that at least for a full year of making that, that's it, no back and forth, because I feel like I'm restarting myself every time. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why it's so confusing to me. I think because I have those two sides. And so they battle each other out in me. But I really want some guidance on which, which way am I going and how to stick with that one for the next year. Okay. That's it. Mm-hmm. No back and forth. And I'm doing um, a wrinkle in time again, just because. <laughs> uh, let's see. She looked around rather wildly. They were standing in a sunlit field and the air about them was moving with the delicious fragrance that comes only on the rarest of spring days. When the sun's touch is gentle and the apple blossoms are just beginning to unfold, she pushed pushed her glasses up on her nose to reassure herself that what she was seeing was real. They had left the silver glint of a biting autumn evening And now around them, everything was golden with light. The grasses of the field were a tender new green and scattered about were tiny multicolored flowers. Meg turned slowly to face a mountain reaching so high in the sky that its peaks were lost in a crown of puffy white clouds. From the trees at the base of the mountain came a sudden singing of birds. That's the end of the page. Okay. So... I don't feel like I necessarily got an answer on a decision yet. What do you feel like it's telling you? I feel like I've been in this place of being connected to, you know, letting go of stuff I don't need to instead of going within and going to that place that's symbolic of like the field of flowers within that's always there for you to access. You just have to be open and letting it come through. And so that's what came to my head when I was reading about this. This is the moment when they first test her to the another part of the universe, and this is what she's seeing there. Mm-hmm. And so I think maybe it just is directing me to still spend some more time there, mm-hmm. and the answer will come. Mm-hmm. Like a mountain going up into puffy white clouds. It will be so yeah. obvious. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's mine. Oh, good. So you get to be kind to yourself for a little while. I totally approve. I approve. Go be kind mm-hmm. to yourself for a while and let the answer come. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Great. Cool. So... Prediction. Yes, please. Um, What's going to happen? Well, I didn't write one down. I skipped that part. But I want to see really quick last week. Was I accurate? Oh, I don't know. I said Mr. Wolf will pull something out of his sleeve to get them out of a tough spot and they'll be on their way again, tracking the thing in person thereafter. Bow bow. I mean, he kind of gets them. I don't think he gets them out of it. He just kind of gives it to the man that got him in the hole. But no, no, no. <laughs> Try again. That's okay. Um, so I don't know. This I noticed that we're moving now from the Sindaria. 
section of the book to the Cherik. It says mm -hmm. part two Cherik. Yeah, the book so, is um, cut up into um, the kingdom names. So the first yeah. first part of the book uh, was Sindaria, and that's in. And when you've got the paperback, it's got the maps, and you know, like fantasy novels often do, the maps of the kingdoms. Mm -hmm. um, and the second part is Cherik. So yeah, that's what we're going into with the next chapter. Um, I never fail at the end of every episode. My dog, dog comes in. <laughs> she starts playing like like she knows I'm almost done. Like, oh, let's go, let's go play. <laughs> and it always distracts me. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, so I Next guess Cherik. I don't really know what to expect there, but I think it's where Barrack's from. Okay, so I think that if that's where they're going to be taken. I don't know. Are they going to be taken to see these kings, uh, the place that they're supposed to go? Or are they actually going to like get out of it and continue on their own little journey? You're um, predicting it. So I'm going to, I feel like something is going to come into the way of they're going to plan to like go with it and like, okay, fine, I'll just do it. But something's going to get in the way to where they have to flee. Uh, and they're going to end up being separated from this path and end up uh, forced back into the path of finding what it is, you know, the orb or whatever, and the goal that they initially had. Okay. You just write that into the spreadsheet because, you know, we don't want to forget yep. that. Um, all right, my darlings. Now it's time for hashtags. And I actually remembered to write a couple down. Yeah. So my hashtags for this episode are, so we'll read them out and then we'll choose one. My hashtags are hashtag what are words and hashtag author flub because <laughs> I don't know if you heard, but I totally cocked up prophecy and prophesy with the C and the S and I've been spelling prophecy with an S all this time and it's wrong. It's just wrong. I had it wrong and now I have to go all over the interwebs and find all the places that I put an S and change it to a C. So, and also, did you do that one or did I? Hashtag drown him in his own tub. <laughs> <laughs> that was you. <laughs> and also hashtag spitting out the bones because I think that that prophecy of mine was pretty good. Mm, yeah. Um, I put, I only had one. Um, that I came up beforehand and that was a toad or possibly a radish. <gasps> we didn't talk about that in the conversation. So that came <laughs> up because um, Paul Gara, when we just, as soon as we sort of discovered in that little private overheard conversation that she is Paul Gara, she threatened to turn anyone who got into, in their way into a toad or possibly a radish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I loved it because she was so serious about it. Like so serious. Oh, okay. That, you know what? That's the hashtag. A toad or possibly a radish. Awesome. <laughs> so, so, dear listeners, if you have made it all the way to the end of this episode, we would love for you to hit us up on social media at Bill Garrett and Beyond on Instagram or Facebook with the hashtag a toad or possibly a radish. It will not be in the show notes. It's only, it's a secret little Easter egg for those of you who get to the end of the show. And it's a way for you to let us know that you love, love, love us so much that you actually get to the end of the show. <laughs> care enough about the whole thing to do a hashtag. 
So, um, hopefully we'll see you somewhere around the place. Uh, if you head to our website, belgariadandbeyond.goddesskindle.com, there will be links to all of our social media sites. Just in case the description on your podcatcher doesn't include the links, which some of them do not. I don't know why. Can't fix it. Sorry. But if you go to our website, all the things are there. Awesome. Um, yeah. It's uh, look forward to hearing from you guys. You know, on Instagram is where I hang out. So please use the hashtags there so that we can interact and get to know you guys yeah that would be so great so and if and especially if you do some prophecy for yourself you know hop on to hop on to instagram or come onto the facebook page and put your prophecy in there so we can all you know talk about it so go to your favorite place to chat and hang out and let's start a conversation because i just can't wait to hear about people's prophecy the first time that you know the first time someone sends us one of these things in, I know that we're up to chapter 11 now and hopefully by now we've had lots of interaction with you, but you know, I'm just going to like blow my little tiny mind with excitement when that happens. Oh yeah. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be good. <sighs> okay. I'm tired. I go now. Okay. Well, you guys enjoy your week. And we'll see you again for chapter 12. I'm excited for it. Yeah. Okay, guys. See you next week. Mwah. Okay. That's us, babe. <laughs>